depending on what school you go to, what teachers you have, it really impacts what you think you can do, what you think you have the agency to do. everybody and welcome to another episode of stuff we don't learn in school my name is jenny and i'm victoria and today we will be talking about the intersection between cultures and jobs so for example later in this episode we will be talking about how typically vietnamese women are nail technicians or how some people can't go into certain job markets because of their culture but we will start off the episode by really indulging ourselves and quizzing ourselves <laughs> on truly deep and insightful questions via the ever-credible <laughs> source of BuzzFeed quizzes. So, the <laughs> I love the word indulging. That's so accurate. <laughs> We're truly treating ourselves this episode. So this BuzzFeed quiz, if you would like to follow along with us, is called... This 20-question quiz will tell you which five career options you are most suited for. And it's made by Angelica Martinez from the BuzzFeed staff. All right. So first question is day or night. And luckily, the answers are a slidey bar thing. So you don't have to... (laughs) You don't have to commit to yes or no. You can actually be a neutral. I love this the, the truly technical term of slidey bar things. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my gosh! You, Am I day or night? Wow, I, this is really great for people with commitment issues. <laughs> <laughs> Not it highlighting my lack of decision. <laughs> uh, well, see, I can work better in the day. But I have more fun at night because I know it's the end of the day. I am completely the opposite. I work so much better at night and I just do whatever during the day. No, I'm going to go for the day, I think. I think I'm going to go night, but like one fourth of the way in. Yeah. And then sweet or savory. Oh, wait, that's difficult. (laughs) Not these pictures making me hungry. Wait, I'm literally I'm starving for those of you listening it is currently 11 30 a.m and lunchtime and i'm guessing victoria also hasn't eaten lunch right now i'm so hungry i'm gonna interpret this question as if you can only have one what would you have and i'd always Mm. opt for savory i like sweet stuff but like if i only had to survive with like i can't survive without salt that's a good way to think of it interesting way (laughs) <laughs> no, it's like, for example, if something really great happened in my life and you know how a tradition is to go get food afterwards, I would always go for savory, even if I was full. Like, I simply just could not live a life without, like, sushi or Chinese yeah. food. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm just not giving that up for all the boba in the world. Stop. No, that, that, that that's savory. <laughs> flour <laughs> stuff. No, like there's. <laughs> I don't oh. think that's how that works, Victoria. <laughs> okay, this is so sad, but yeah, I I still stand by Savory. what I say. Yeah, same. I think I'm gonna go oh. one third of the way in. A little bit more confident on this one. I'm still committed issues. Hot <laughs> or cold? Hot. Cold. What? No. Cold? No. Are you serious? Yes. What is hot? That's good. Other than hot chocolate. Tea. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee. Yeah. I mean, I don't really drink. I drink coffee. iced coffee. So mm, 
And like, okay. like I don't, I don't get ice in my bubble tea. I do think it's like a cultural thing where a lot of people in China prefer warm Hot, yeah, as opposed to cold. This is yeah. true. Also, just having lived in Pittsburgh, I find more need for. Oh, that's true. Hot we beverages. just had snow, and it's April. We're recording this in a- late April. May I add? Like, <laughs> like so I think it were supposed to be starting summer, and the other day it was like snowing. Okay, I'm gonna go one fourth of the way in again. Oh, I'm so I'm pretty. I'm going all the way. Commit to cold a wow. little bit, like eighty percent. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Inside, Inside or outside? Outside. Oh, outside. Sixty percent. Seventy. Seventy-five percent outside. I mean, I don't actually do that in my real life, but I enjoy the outside more than I do the inside. I definitely like outside better, but if it's like Northeast weather, I don't know. So, like, you know what I mean? Like Northeast weather, if we're outside, if it's, it's 20 degrees. If it's, I would say... If it's slushy outside, then... Mm, it's a different story. But let's just assume we're West Coast outside. West Coast, <laughs> even though I've never been to the West Coast before. Hey, West Coast, best coast. Hey, West Coast. <laughs> cats, cats are dogs. Ooh, I'm a dog person, 50% dog. Although I do enjoy cats, I just have never in person <laughs> enjoyed a cat before. I know you had a cat, so obviously you might be a little bit biased here. No, I have to go cats. And my rationale is... I've never met a dog that wasn't too much. <laughs> it's just so bad. I'm going to get canceled. But the I dogs love dogs cute. that are too much. They're cute, but there's this level of distance I'd like between me and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I'm emotionally unavailable. I think cats are really adorable. They are. Break the ice with them. And That's they- true. That is very true. I just like the unconditional love that comes with dogs. <laughs> That is, oh, that is true. That is true. Movies or TV? Movies. 75% movies. I think but movies. I don't movies. have. Okay. This is to preface. I don't have Netflix. I don't have Hulu. Oh, yeah. That is, that is a core part of my identity. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we haven't done this in a while because of COVID. But going to the movie theater and like going with your friends, getting a bunch of crunch and a large popcorn and just sharing that. Yeah, I'm conflicted because I like the movie experience a lot better than watching TV. Mm. But in terms of actual content, I like TV stuff better because I think it's a little bit more dynamic because it keeps going. Yeah. There's a lot of seasons to go through. That is fair. But I love the movie experience. I think it's one of the funnest things. It is. Yeah. And you don't, you can both enjoy something like simultaneously without it having to be like, super like effort on your part (laughs) so i'm gonna go movies but like 10 percent. perfect super salad oh it depends on the day also it depends on the soup that's true like are we talking about appetizer are we talking olive garden appetizer or are we talking a meal i'm gonna interpret this as a meal okay salad salad. yeah me too but only by a little like by 30 percent maybe fair country or city oh i think I think city. I feel like I have to go city. Me too. I'm like 50% city. I think I'm like 20% city. Because I do like the country. I mean, I like the people in the city more though. <laughs> um, <laughs> Numbers or words? Words. Me too. I'm like words. I like 80%. Me 
mean, honestly, well, like 100% words. <laughs> Art or PE? See, this is hard because theoretically, I once never considered myself or could be considered an athlete. But now <laughs> I am neither. So I'm neither an artist nor no, an athlete. No, and at one point, or maybe even in the future, you could be considered an artist. So. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe, maybe. What, what do I like better? Well, I think what happens with art, and Jenny does a lot of watercoloring too, so mm. so we both okay. draw at times. But art leaves you drained, I feel like, a lot of the times. But once you work out, you kind of feel good. That's actually very true. Yes. Well, art, like once you're super focused, it becomes you're kind of stuck in your own world and then you snap out of it when you're done, but mm-hmm. it leaves you with almost whiplash. Like you're tired. Yeah. See, I've been going to the gym more, and so I would like to say PE, but in reality, I put 80% art. <laughs> like, yeah. like I know myself. Oh, truth or dare? I'm going truth. Oh, truth. I am not one to actually do things at the expense of myself. So that's like 90% oh, true. And also I'm on a stage. So ask me yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll be truthful. I don't care about the repercussions. <laughs> winter, winter or summer. So winter is nice for like five minutes. And then yes, you're actually so oh. right. So 60% summer because winter is beautiful for the first snowfall and then depression mm-hmm. hits. Just kind of lose its appeal. Veggies, Veggies are fruits. Fruit. What kind of question is that? Oh my God, 90% fruit. I don't know. Like you, if you put veggies, we cannot be friends. We cannot be friends. Like veggies are good. What What vegetables are better than fruits, Victoria? No, like what if you have like a dip? Like you have hummus with like peppers. But that's one circumstance right now. Would you pick a bell pepper over a strawberry? Kind of, yeah. Because listen to this. Veggies are like the savory option and fruits are the sweet option. And I think in all circumstances, I go for savory more. <laughs> no, okay, not even by that much, okay? Like 10%, 10%, I 10% veggies. I cannot believe you. Text call. Call, right? Call 100%. So again, I am a senior, so I will be going to college. And whenever I contact people over social media, the first thing I say is like, hi, I'm also going to this school. I would love to get to know you. I absolutely hate texting, so FaceTime me at this number. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem with texting is it's almost like you have to change up your texting style depending on who's texting you because not everyone gets it. Like my IRL, like texting style, if I'm talking to a friend, it's very emoji heavy, very bra heavy. But people can take that the wrong way. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's not not easy to interpret. But if I'm texting someone I'm not that close with, I'm like, hey, exclamation mark. Yes. Do you want to call sometime? Would love yes. to get my grammars right. Yes. My eye of punctuation. It's just a whole different Jenny, really. And I feel like with call, you can be a little bit more mm-hmm. authentic while people still understand you and there's no like miscommunication. Yes, I completely agree. I feel like in, say, an interview, I just feel awkward over email in comparison to whenever I'm actually talking with somebody professionally. Like on a professional oh, basis. Same. Like, for example, with applications versus like interview, I always yes. think I do better interview wise. Oh, because, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I might like words, but that doesn't mean I have a way with them. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like writing wise. So, you know, <laughs> take that as you will. <laughs> Fries or onion rings? Oh, I don't actually like onion rings. Well, I don't really eat them that much, but I think they're good. But I've reached this crossroads in my life with fries where I feel like 
it's not that they're bad. It's just if they're not done right, they just aren't. But good. onion, like rings, onion rings make your breath not great. Oh, that's fair. I think I have, I think I have to go fries. I think I'm fifty percent fries. I think I'm like ten percent onion rings, just for the 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 fact that I haven't really eaten them before. Past or future? Oh well. Future. Sure. <laughs> like, I'm like 100% future. Really? Well, oh, okay, yeah, 50, you are 100% future. I think maybe I'm... when I'm 50, that will change. <laughs> I won't have much life left. Oh my god, Victoria! <laughs> Not me shading everyone above, above the age of 50, which is like actually relatively young if you think about it. Okay. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, Christmas or Halloween? Christmas? What the heck? Oh, wait, you're a big Halloween person, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 100% I, Christmas. I might be, like, 10% more Christmas than Halloween. Really? I think it's very, like, festive and joyous, mm. and everyone's very loving. Like, Halloween is fun, don't get me wrong, mm. but it kind of fades out once your costume is, like, you have a costume. Yeah, and yeah. There's no, yeah. like, prolonged sense of gratitude or whatever. <laughs> That's just fun. <laughs> Ooh, Sun- sunrise or sunset? I feel like you're sunrise. I'm sunset, 100%. I hate sun. No, I don't hate sunrises. I do like sunrises. I just like, I'm such a night person. I like can't. I think I have to go sunset. It's just too nostalgic. Like sunrise, you're usually by yourself as you're watching them, which is kind of, I, like, <laughs> I let me just let me just take a photo of the sunrise. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fair. Sunset is like oh the end of the day, but also maybe the beginning of the night and you're with <laughs> friends. It's also. It's also like a good for you. You made it through the day. Yes. It's a it's a reward. It's a reward. Yes. And the it's Earth usually loves rewarding us with its rotation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pancakes or waffles. Oh, why are oh they? Oh my god. Waffles. What kind of question? What no. kind of Victoria? No! Victoria! No. I mean, yeah, pancakes are good. They're smooth. They're no, you cannot be so definite on waffles. Well, here's the thing. My mom makes waffles, and they're not so great. So the only- No! Victoria! I don't Pancakes! Like no, okay. Waffles, right, are pancakes, but in a different form, in, in a more versatile form. Yeah, but waffles, if they're in a bad form, they're just kind of... Mm, what other good. form could waffles come in other than with little divots for you to put in syrup or whipped cream, okay. peanut butter or strawberries or blueberries? Like Okay, okay, hear me out. My Belgian waffle maker does not look like the BuzzFeed waffle produced. Okay, product. what Belgian waffles are you eating? Are they like the shallow divots? Because that's a no No, they're like the deep divots. I hate deep divots. Oh. So I know I gotta go pancakes. They're sleek. They're effortless. They're they're classic. <laughs> okay, but pancakes one are so difficult to get perfect. Two, all of the stuff falls off the pancakes. If you have a stack of pancakes, the top one is the only one that's gonna get the love. Well, if you have a stack of waffles, there's only one getting the love. Who's <laughs> eating a stack of waffles, Victoria? Tell me one person who's actively stacking waffles. I'm I'm adamant on my pancake decision. It's just a vibe, Jenny. It's you're, just a vibe. You're wrong. You are simply wrong. If any of I you who know. are listening and know us are listening to this, let us know. Okay. <laughs> Diagonal or down the middle? Come on. Diagonal, Diagonal right? Yeah. Why okay. in the world would you go down the middle? That's so sad. Okay. So let's submit. Oh, I'm nervous a little bit. <laughs> 
I BRB. I'm just gonna exit. Wait, what'd, what'd you, you get? get? What'd you get first? Uh, yeah. So last time I took a BuzzFeed quiz, I got recommended as a theater major, which is very transformative mm. because I cannot sing nor can I dance. <laughs> but wow, this time I got computer programmer, <laughs> architect, <laughs> urban planner, engineer, accountant. You're a thinker. You're innovative, highly observant, and have an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. You get bored easily and would thrive in a career that constantly challenges you and utilizes your strong problem-solving skills. For personal reasons, I have to I have to download this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not them telling like me. I'd be an accountant. Is... <laughs> oh my. And there's nothing wrong with accountants. It's just yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the complete opposite of Victoria. I feel like that is a computer science engineer. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is literally, you could not get more opposite of the type of person that Victoria is. That's so sad. Must be no. Jenny, what was yours? Um, so I got something reminiscent of your last career quiz. I got actor, fashion designer, artist, chef, or florist. You're an uber-creative person with a big personality. You're not afraid to be bold and put your own twist on everything you do. You'll, you'd excel in careers like these that put your artistic abilities to work and never get bored. I feel like this had a lot to do with me putting artistic at 80%. <laughs> I think these results are funny because it's a good segue into kind of the next part of the conversation where we talk about cultural slash racial slash ethnic pressures to go to certain jobs. And some of it is, well, how do you have a culture? Like, for example, with like Chinese parents or often immigrant parents who push towards more STEM heavy jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, why does it even exist in the first place? Yeah. And a lot of times, which I was super surprised to find, there are very distinct cultural moments or historical moments that created this pipeline, created this precedent yes. where everyone or most people in that culture sort of lean a certain way with jobs. I think whenever it comes to Asian immigrant parents typically pressuring their kids to go into STEM, I think that's just a multitude of different influential factors influencing a whole generation of Asian American children. One being that most of the people who are typically from those Asian countries who immigrate here can usually only find success in jobs that are more quantifiable because of um, a certain communication barrier, right? Or xenophobia in this country is obviously a big thing. And so people are afraid of other cultures and what they could entail and what they could bring. And so having more quantifiable jobs, more scientific thinking jobs, employers would probably be more comfortable with that. And I think that's just inherent bias or xenophobia within our culture. Another way that Asian parents want their children to be in these jobs are obviously because they're high paying and because they don't want their children to struggle like they did whenever they came over here to America, which, you know, a lot of people, um, especially Asian immigrants, felt a lot of instability whenever they came here. They didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know what was going on. And they just want the best for their children, which I think a lot of us recognize. A lot of us children understand um, the motives behind that. And a third reason is, you know, going into STEM job, it's quantifiable. Your, su your success is pretty much quantifiable in the realm of STEM. You know, if you become a doctor, 
going into residency, there are rankings for what college you go to, what med school you go to, what residency you go to, what hospital you end up at. Engineers, like what company you work for, whereas in the artistic field, it's hard to quantify your success a little bit more. Or in the social work field, it's hard to quantify your success, as we talked about last time with the art activism podcast. Yeah, exactly. I think your three reasons pretty much cover a lot of it. I also think with less quantifiable jobs or jobs that are less easily measured and in turn harder to gauge who's more skilled or who's the better person, a lot of it also comes down to just social connections. And when you just mm. immigrate, you don't have those. If you're working in the nonprofit space, if you're working in the art space, yeah. journalism too, yes. a lot of it is like nepotism, yes. which is fine. But of course, if you're just starting out and you don't, you're trying to build that, network it's not practical it's a lot of the times and it's just more difficult than it could be yes as opposed to another job yeah which i think is an interesting point yeah i completely agree with that and i think that segues quite well into the example that i wanted to talk about today that victoria brought up there's a documentary made about this topic specifically whenever you think of nail technicians in the united states of america typically you associate that with vietnamese women and so, you know, you ask why. There's nothing in particular about the Vietnamese culture that really lends itself into nail technicians. And not to add, like, every time you see that stereotype being portrayed, it's a stereotype because there's truth in it. And a decent proportion of Vietnamese women are nail technicians. Mm-hmm. But every time you see it, it's, like, very reductive. Like, if you think of yeah. Hollywood films or like TikToks or memes, like it's very kind of condescending. So what Jenny's going to talk about next is really interesting to see that there's actually a reason why. Yes. Like literally, it's not just because like, oh, they're more artsy or some like obscure yeah. sort of analysis. There is something tangible. There's, there's history behind it. It happened whenever an actress named Tippi Hedren in the 60s traveled to a Vietnamese refuge camp near Sacramento, California. And a group of women were fascinated by her nails and the manicure that she had. She was inspired by that. So she flew in her own beauty expert and signed up a group of, I think, around 20 Vietnamese women into a local beauty store to learn how to create a perfect manicure and have them, you know, start a business and try to get them set up in the United States of America so that they can find financial stability. And so it kind of became a snowball effect. They would teach it to their friends and then all of them starting their own stores and then a good proportion of the nail technicians in the United States of America are Vietnamese. And so as we said before, this lends itself to, one, a good story with good intentions to begin with. An actress wanting to help a community to find financial stability through their own work. But then these generalizations become stereotypes. And then those stereotypes become biases and a restriction as to what Vietnamese women can become. Yeah, with the job of nail technicians, what I find really fascinating about the story is they chose that job mm-hmm. because they were fascinated by Hendren's manicure. But practically, that also worked well because whenever you are a nail technician, if English is your second language, it doesn't matter as much yes. because the service isn't speaking oriented. It's like painting someone's nails and that doesn't require like too much talking. Mm-hmm. 
and it's one of those skills where it's trainable if you have the right person and they work with you, you can learn it, which I thought was interesting because it's scalable and transferable. I think like, it's not to say that limiting Vietnamese women to nail being nail text or like a large proportion being nail text and those stereotypes are like inherent are inherently bad because they're not. It's like these stereotypes almost reflect like a larger narrative of how we see Vietnamese women. Yes. What traits we associate with them yes. and Asian women in general, women being Asian, like all of those intersections mm-hmm. that create this image of that isn't great and is yes. super narrow. Yes. Because you know, it's 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 a it's a great story of um, self perseverance, but it it helps feed the narrative that Asian women are women of service and are here to serve others rather than help propel, I guess, society forward. And on that note, it's tough also because I was talking to my friend about this. When you're choosing a job. Let's say you're a kid who grew up in the United States, you didn't immigrate and you actually had your life here. So you're adapted to whatever culture or whatever region's culture you're in. Depending on what school you go to, what teachers you have, it really impacts what you think you can do, what you think you have the agency to do. And that's not even considering the fact that you might have family issues or like financial concerns. But for example, like one of my friends went to this really small Catholic school with only like 70 people. And at North Allegheny, we've talked about this a lot. We have 700 people per grade and Mm -hmm. you have the entire rainbow of types of people and their interests and their sort of unique identity. Yes. But when you only have so many people, you don't realize how many options exist or what you can do, whether it's like cold emailing companies to work with them or whether it's, I don't know, like reaching out to a place to find opportunities. Mm A lot of your environmental factors influence that, but then your environmental factors are influenced often by race, socioeconomic status. And there are a lot of different correlations that end up creating this cycle where like the the, the stereotype keeps on being perpetuated, whether intentionally or not, because Mm -hmm. of subconscious factors, but also conscious factors that are directly influencing your outcome and whatever you decide to pursue in higher education, technical school, or just right out of high school. Exactly. Exactly. Like, based on the opportunities that surround you, can really influence whether or not a student thinks they're capable or incapable of doing a certain task or fulfilling a certain um, intellectual obligation in order to get a job or go into a certain field. But just because of environmental restrictions, whether or not, say, a school has a speech and debate team or a mock trial team, you know, maybe they don't have that push that propels them to becoming, say, a lawyer. Yeah, and we're talking about culture, race, ethnicity, but a good example with gender is women in computer science. Mm-hmm. It's not that women don't like computer science at all. It's that I think in the 1980s, but someone fact check, like basically in the late 1900s, the United States had a lot of gender disparity with women in technology. Mm-hmm. And the government and a lot of different organizations started doing a lot of work with giving women opportunity and access to learn technical skills and be able to go into the tech industry. Yes. And for a while, the gender gap closed. Like it, it started narrowing. Yes. And see like substantial progress. But, but then the like, government oh, stopped, stopped those programs. Yeah. 
And then now you're starting to see those disparities a little bit more. You know, we talked about this with uh, Janine Harris in the statistics podcast. We really recommend you give that a listen. That was a great podcast. But those do have detrimental effects, as we've said. Whenever they're engineering CPR dolls, those dolls are all male and belts are created for men and not women. And so you see a higher mortality rate in car accidents with women in comparison to men. Yeah. And it's an age old question. How do you distribute opportunity equally and how Mm -hmm. do you create those ecosystems that support individuals holistically, whether that's shifting community culture, whether it's building better schools Mm -hmm. or whether that's providing more opportunities outside of school. And all of this is kind of critical now, especially because And I feel like we all say this all the time, like right now it's important, but I think this genuinely is super relevant currently because of the pandemic and one topic we were going to focus on, and we might in a future episode, but I think it's worthy to mention here is like the future of work with technology and people's jobs getting laid off. And we're starting to see a shift with what our workplace looks like in terms of what jobs are needed. How can we maximize the human side of us? We're creative and like to do stuff. And then technology can fill in some of those other sort of aspects that don't really maximize our potential as people. Mm -hmm. So it brings us to the question of, well, I mean, if you have people systemically into one sort of pipeline and because they don't have other options or it's like a cultural thing or, I mean, probably all of these combined, it's, well, you know, how do you equip them with skills necessary that reflect things they like um, and give them the opportunity to explore and take a moment to find what they like? Because often it's only when you have privilege that you have the chance to really gauge what is your thing and it really matters what your thing is. And unfortunately, this is extremely driven by the financial circumstances of most people, right? Because whenever the pandemic started, I forgot what the statistic was, but I was reading an article on Pittsburgh public schools and a majority of them did not have access to a personal device that had access to the internet. So essentially for the last couple months from March until June, a lot of students didn't get education, which is extremely detrimental, but also financially driven in the way that certain schools are not given the funding that they need in order to provide equal opportunity that suburban public schools would get in comparison to rural public schools. You know, there's a lot of conversation around people being able to leave a certain section of a city, the ghetto, as you will. But I feel like The issue shouldn't be that. I really believe in the power of starting at the roots, starting at education, starting at what the children are exposed to. Too many children in this country are exposed to too little opportunities for what they're capable of doing. And so not just giving these opportunities like speech and debate and model UN and mock trial and AP classes to just suburban public schools, but also offering them in schools that have less opportunities now could really, really change a lot. And so we see all of these cultural influences on whether or not people go into a certain job market, but not just in a personal financial level or in a systemic educational level, but also, you know, again, I I refer back to the episode where we talked about statistics with Professor Harris. She mentioned for a brief second that algorithms will throw out applications of a certain race, say African-American or Asian-American, 
just because they are African American or Asian American. And so in that case, we see certain cultures and certain races and ethnicities being forced into a certain job market because other job markets simply are not available for them. And, and that's just even reality. when you enter the job market, I'm sure everybody, well, I'm sure this happens maybe more often than we'd like to see it happen where you question like, is this something you like to do? And then you get in this whole realm of, am I choosing the right job? Am I going down the right path? How mm-hmm. will I know? Yes. What what tells me? Like, is there a BuzzFeed quiz that will tell me I've actually found what I like to do or am I kind of just settling? Yes. I sure don't know the answer. Um, I don't even know what classes I'm taking next year. So, <laughs> but it's it's I think it's a heavy question. I don't yes. think anybody knows. It's like those cliches. You can only try and experience life as much as you can. Try to take advantage of opportunities. And once you gain more of a wealth of experience, more of a wealth of time and all of that, you'll be able to classify whether you like something or not, just because you've experienced a lot. And you've been on the end of, I hate this. This sucks. I would never Mm -hmm. do this. And you've been on the end of, it's okay. It's okay. And then the other side where it's like, oh, wow, this really energizes me. Yes. And hopefully it works out, but you know, if not, life is long. There are a lot of other avenues. And I think we don't talk about this enough where work doesn't have to be something you're in love with. It re- I don't think it does. Um, I, I think feel like- as long as you find some sort of thing in your life that gives you that, that sometimes traditionally work is supposed to do, mm-hmm. you're okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, especially around our age, don't want that nine to five job. They don't want this. They don't want that. Um, and they believe that, you know, I have a lot of sweatshirts and air fresheners that say like do what make you happy and I I want to put my happiness first but I think I realized that whatever job I do end up going into it is going to be 75% busy work 75% effort and things that aren't fun but hopefully like 25% things that make me happy and things that will give me joy exactly as we're all thinking about jobs and future steps, we'll leave you with this quote. It is by Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, I know, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> but I stan him. Mm. Let's not take this out of context. <laughs> I don't stand some of the stuff he does, but I think as a person, he's very cool, very quirky, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, okay. <laughs> this is, I think, a good quote to, to think about how you can impact others and how all of this relates to people and relates to other lives and all that stuff. So it's finding your purpose isn't enough. The challenge for our generation is creating a world where everyone has a sense of purpose. Stuff we don't learn in school would not be possible without our team. Thank you to Samantha Podner for writing the newsletter, Sophie Liu for the resources, Emma Scott for the digital content, and Gloria Wong for the graphic design.